Welcome into Sports Talk, 7 o'clock hour, kicking off right now. Steve Geller, Bobby Yebe, Charlie Long running the show. We're looking at the LSU softball team opening night for them. The Tigers up 4 nothing, bottom of the fourth inning over Nichols. Uh, the LSU women's basketball team will play later on tonight. They got an 8 p.m. start. Also 8 p.m. tonight, gentlemen, the NFL honors uh, going out. Uh, interested to see who ends up taking home all the awards. I think everybody's pretty much expecting the MVP award, though, to end up with Lamar Jackson. Yes, because it's a regular season award. I don't know. Whoever invented this, why is this a regular <laughs> season award? Well, I guess, I don't know. You're trying to have a, a big get-together get banquet and all that, you know, like. But to me. It should it, include the playoffs. Yes, Yes, because that does matter. Right. right, who cares what happened during the regular season if you go uh, in the yeah, postseason? And, and Lamar would even tell you, uh, you know, uh, uh, well, uh, like Aaron Rodgers sometimes toots his horn when Aaron Rodgers <laughs> had three MVPs. Right. Uh, no, at least he won a Super Bowl. Uh, I, I guarantee you, Lamar Jackson would say, um, I'll take the, the ring. Uh, give me one Super Bowl and no MVP. Right. Now, uh, obviously, if you're MVP, uh, you have to do something to earn that. Uh, but no, it's about the postseason. I think they should wait. I don't know. I think a lot of fans would say if you're going to reward an MVP, it should be throughout the season counting the regular and the postseason. What I'm curious to see what happens, obviously, then you go to the offensive player of the year. They won't give it back to back. You know, they won't give two to Lamar Jackson. No, 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 because that's how Michael Thomas won offensive player. Right, so will it be Tyreek Hill, CeeDee Lamb, Christian McCaffrey, or Dak Prescott there? I think it'll be McCaffrey getting offensive player Uh, of the year. I I would think uh, Christian McCaffrey uh, because uh, if you look at what Christian McCaffrey is able to do this year, um, uh, like I said earlier, he was the third player ever – uh, now, this is the history of the NFL ever uh, with 50-plus uh, scrimmage yards. Now, this is playoffs. So they don't count the playoffs, right? Uh, playoffs? Oh, no, no. This is what I wanted to read right here. <laughs> this is what he did. This is why he's going to win that. He led the NFL in scrimmage yards because you always always look at Alvin Kamara. Right. Uh, uh, scrimmage yards, like as a pass receiver and, and runner. Uh, he had 2,023. There ain't no way in hell he ain't winning that. He had uh, now uh, he had one thousand four hundred fifty nine rushing yards, surrounded mm-hmm. the fifteen hundred, but ended up with twenty two thousand twenty three. So that led the NFL. Uh, he's winning that award. I was gonna say you have combined the- touchdowns too there or no? No, I I, I don't have that one. Uh, I just had it uh, when I'd said earlier he became the third player ever. Now just dealing with the playoffs. And with Hall of Famers Marcus Allen, and we all know Denver Broncos Terrell Davis with 50-plus scrimmage yards and a touchdown in each of his first seven career playoff games. So I would tell you right now, uh, if he's done his first seven career playoff games, well, after eight playoff games, that being the Super Bowl, that uh, for sure Christian McCaffrey will have over 50-plus scrimmage yards and he'll have a touchdown. Not know if it's going to help him win or if that's enough. Uh, but, but wouldn't you say, uh, Steve, that he'd have eight straight games? And he had t- 21 total touchdowns this year. Yeah, Oof. yeah. So he should be NFL Offensive Player of the Year. So what's – now, Now, how about defense? I don't know. What are you going so, – okay. Defense of the year, we're looking at Defensive Player of the Year, uh, Deron Bland with Dallas Cowboys, Max Crosby with the Raiders, Miles Garrett, Browns, Micah Parsons, Dallas Cowboys, and T.J. Watt, Pittsburgh Steelers. 
See, uh, you'd have to bring up the stats uh, to me because I think it is a stat-driven uh, award. Uh, uh, you know, it was unbelievable uh, for his team. And, you know, played hard even though uh, Max Crosby, he was unbelievable for the Raiders. He's a big wrecking ball. Uh, just, you uh, can't uh, stop that motor on that no, guy. Uh, I'm going to say off the top of my head, I think Eastern Michigan. Talk about directional school. Uh, not the Michigan Wolverines hmm. or something. Not the Michigan State Spartans. Eastern Michigan. I mean, he's, he's, uh, Max Crosby is unbelievable what he's done with the Raiders. And then I think Miles Garrett. Uh, with Miles Garrett, the consistency with their defense. Leading that top-notch Browns uh, D, right? One day, the number one overall defense. I think Chiefs are number two, the Browns are number one. So, uh, Miles Garrett, uh, I, I would kind of lean upon them. Now, it would be interesting, dude. T.J. Watt led the NFL in sacks this year. Uh, and, and, and they pay a lot of attention to that. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, so no, that, that that's interesting. Uh, and I have to look at the total numbers, how I think they might break that down. But, but definitely uh, they have uh, the right players in contention. And then uh, then your rookie of the year, uh, I think if a rookie quarterback is outstanding, he has he's a front runner. I think, yeah, C.J.'s C.J. got Stroud, that locked in. Yeah, C.J. Stroud. Bijan had a good year. Puka Nakua had a good year. Sam Laporta also. And Jamar Gibbs in that category for offensive player of the year. Great, great lineup. But, yeah, yeah for yeah. C.J. Stroud to do yeah. what he did year one with the Texans, I think that's – Yeah, he turned that uh, program around, and he's the quarterback. Uh, <laughs> exactly, right. the quarterback gets too much glory. They get too much blame. That comes to the territory. But, you know, it was a dog. I mean, I mean, in a positive way. I'm not saying like a dog. I'm talking about <laughs> tough, catching the ball in traffic. I mean, how could you not be a Puka fan? Puka. What a great name. Puka uh, Nakua. Uh, uh, I mean, with the Rams – I mean, that, that cat's uh, is unbelievable. And when was he drafted, Charlie? Like fifth, fifth or sixth round? Yeah, fifth, fifth round. What? <laughs> I mean, that, that – I mean, you want to – I wish Chris Olave was tough as Puka, <laughs> but I don't think he's built that way. You know like, how you build. Right, exactly. Take the hits. Puka reminds me like old school when I played Eric Martin. Man, just throw that ball in there. I'm going to run over. That son of a gun, instead of him hitting me, I'm going to hit him. And uh, I'm going to show him who's boss. No, I. Who, who's not a Puka fan? Even though you don't like the Rams, but you like tough football, how can you not like that receiver? I mean, he, he's about as good as it gets. He ended up being like the stud fantasy football wire waiver pick out pickup uh, this season because nobody drafted him initially. No, they, who they, they, we, we, and if you're from Louisiana, we're not talking about Puka Williams from Hornville. <laughs> uh, you know, the running back went to Kansas with less miles. No, we're not a different Puka. Uh, it's like uh, the Pacific Puka. We went to bring him young, and then he goes to the Rams. No, that that, that cat was. No, uh, I, I tell you what, he uh, he he is. Oh, you know, you can't hit the receiver going across the middle. Right. That son of a gun. He wouldn't even say, "Oh, no, you can hit me, uh, but I might hurt you instead of you hurting me." As we head to break, Cajun Cannon Curious, your Coach of the Year uh, nominee. Who would you take? Dan Campbell, John Harbaugh, D'Amico Ryan's, Kyle Shanahan, or Kevin Stefanski? I would say D'Amico Ryans or Dan Campbell. I'd say uh, Dan Campbell because I just like Dan Campbell and what he did with the Lions. But uh, D'Amico Ryans, look what he did with uh, Year one uh, there the too, Texans. Right. Uh, I like those two picks as well. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, Stavansky, I mean, uh, they didn't win enough. 
<laughs> I mean, you did good. Right. But I'd say out of those two, I need to go with Dan Campbell and D'Amico Ryan. Definitely more imp- impressive what Ryan's and Campbell did. Agree with you there. Uh, taking away, uh, it's the break, stepping away. We'll be right back uh, afterwards with uh, locked uh, editor in chief of thebirdrides.com, Ali Cosell, getting to all things Pelicans from the upcoming game against the Lakers, the trade deadline, not making any moves, and the NFL honors are coming up 8 o'clock, folks, that we were just going over on the NFL Network. Coming back with more here on WWL after this. Welcome back into Sports Talk. Checking in now with editor-in-chief of thebirdrights.com, Ali Cosell. The trade deadline's over. The Pelicans had a great win last night, 117-106 over the Clippers. Uh, Ali, how you been, my man? I've been well. As I was just telling Charlie, I'm happy that the trade deadline was quiet, especially after what we saw last night, right? Such an impressive win. Herb Jones, Dyson showed why they should maybe be off the table, right? Especially when it's for somebody like DeJounte Murray, who I don't think is a sure bet. You know, uh, you know, you know, uh, when I look at, um, and we always are prisoner of the moment, Uh, but what I've been impressed uh, with, and um, and we can go in different directions, and uh, Charlie and Steve are all going to, you know, want your opinion, obviously, because you're an expert, uh, that when I look at, to me, Okay, now we're 30 and 21. I'm looking at the record. To me, is it, I don't think it's more than this. I think their success has been rooted in that the best players all of, are available. B.I., uh, Zion, and C.J. McCollum, now they've played 29 games together. I mean, to me. It's amazing say, what a healthy team No, no it do. seems like that, that's a, a simple answer, but I, <laughs> I think that's a lot of it. Is that, does that make sense to you? Oh, it absolutely does. Look, I mean, just look at the Pelicans last since Zion's gotten here, right? A lot of their success is showing that he's been available or not. Uh, same thing can be said of Brandon Ingram. I mean, last season the Pelicans disappointed because both of those guys, what Zion played twenty nine, Brandon round forty five, and they missed the playoffs. But the year before they made it, everybody was kind of excited because you had brought in CJ and Brandon played in more games. I mean, yeah, that definitely goes hand-in-hand. Looking across the league, it's never been deeper. Most teams, especially the competitive ones, they've got, you know, great players, right? At least a handful of them, a couple of them. So you need your guys out there. And, look, when when this team first came together, right, CJ and B.I. and Zion barely ever played. This year, as you mentioned, 29 times, and you feel like they're trending upwards, especially after a game like last night, right? Because the biggest issues have been what we always talk about, clutch time, and or just not figuring out how to hang on the leads, right? So basically having right. a killer instinct. I saw a huge killer instinct last night. You know, and, and Ali, uh, yeah, because I, I thought if you'd have told me, I said, man, we ain't beating the Clippers. No, mm-hmm. I said, oh, the Lakers, uh, I've been up and down, and then AD, and then, oh, we're going to beat the Trailblazers. So I kind of speculated, but oh, I said, oh, that, 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 that. Then you start watching the game. You say, oh, let me see uh, what's going to happen. And they were able to answer the Clippers. But, uh, Ali, I don't know if I've ever uh, seen this much balance. Uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but um, when you look at where they're at right now, it's a big enough sample size. Uh, when you look at it, uh, that, okay, uh, look at the scoring average. Like B.I.'s uh, right under 22 points, 21.8, Zion 22.1. So that's basically both 22 points. And McCollum 19.2. So that's basically they're all scoring about the same. And then, like uh, Charlie, we were talking about this yesterday uh, with Steve and all. 
I don't know. It's like how many rushing attempts the Saints have. Well, I don't know if McCollum scores uh, 20 points or more, and then he finished strong with 25. They're like 16-1. and one. So I'm like, I don't know. we got to get McCollum some shots so he's, he's scoring at least 20 points because until that's broken, uh, I kind of like that formula, uh, a 16-1 when he scores at least 20 points. Yeah, look, I've been noticing that too. And there's another nice stat is they're overwhelmingly winners when he also gets off to decent starts. I mean, these decent starts just getting four points or more in the first quarter. But here's the thing. Oh, wow. <laughs> he's the most games out of, uh, right, Brandon and Z because of that collapsed lung. So he was unavailable for the biggest chunk. So when he's been available, usually the other two have been there, right? So all three have been there on the court. So I think that's the biggest key. And you saw it last night. Right, Brandon, I thought, got off to a nice, steady start. Zion was playmaking, right? He wasn't getting you anything in the points department. But CJ had a pretty decent start, but th- what a heck of a finish, right? All those threes, those floaters, right. those runners. I mean, he looked like the best offensive player during that last quarter. But Zion's third quarter, where he just like, I'm going to get to the rim and you can't do anything about it, right? So we saw a combination of all three guys. And when the Pelicans do that, how do you stop them? I think the Clippers have one of the best, most versatile defensive um rosters right where they they were switching everything the last time the pelicans played them couldn't do anything about it but now they had a better game plan knew what to expect and you saw the clippers couldn't do anything really to slow the pelicans down when all three of their main guys were out there so i think that's the key right that should be the takeaway if you're going to concentrate on one guy they were getting the ball out of bi's hands or z's they were finding somebody else and usually the guy that was benefiting last night was cj so i love it any other word on Jonas Valanciunas and his calf injury? Ali, I got to say, honestly, last night watching the game and all of a sudden when they said he was not going to return, I started getting nervous going, oh, no, is this not an injury question? Is it more of he got, he ends up getting dealt before the trade deadline? Thankfully, that's not the case, but I know he is questionable for tomorrow. Yeah, he suffered a legitimate injury. Brandon Ingram crashed into his uh, calf muscle trying to chase his defender and just didn't see um, Jonas tripped over him, and Jonas, you could tell, he was in pain, tried to play through it, couldn't, he was limping around, so he came out of the game, but I'll tell you what, he's been questionable before after getting nicks and bruises, and the fact that it's nothing major, right, it's not the knee, it's, it's not one of these right. joints, I feel comfortable because it's a bruise, he's going to play, he's yet to miss a game this year, and he, as we know, he's the most durable Pelican we've seen last three years. Ali, I got so many questions, I don't really know where to start, but I'm going to stick with the Clippers game before we start looking ahead a little bit. What you saw from Zion in the fourth quarter last night, he was very passive in the first half. I think he only took two shots. He didn't even have a field goal mate until the second half. But when he needed to take over that game, when the Clippers started to make it close, he wanted the ball in his hands, and he took over. And I know the point Zion role has been working out really well. He had a a bunch of assists last night as well. But when he wanted to take over that game, he did. And I just loved seeing that from him. I wanted to get your evaluation on how he played specifically in the fourth quarter. Yeah, we've seen that out of him, right? For some reason, from start to finish when he's on the court, he, he's not consistent both in terms of his aggression, I feel like, and just his shot making. I mean, how many layups did he miss, guys? I swear he probably missed like three or four, and then he had the <laughs> one miss in the fourth quarter, right? So it was a slew of them where normally his touch is fantastic. But, you know, fortunately the Pelicans don't need that. Like when Stan Van Gundy was here, they had to rely on B, I, and Z basically getting a 30. That's no longer the case. So I like that he's picking his moments. And look, when you're getting double teamed, you don't want to see him run through that wall, right? Because what has that led to in the past, even earlier this year? Turnovers. So I'm glad that he's now reading the floor, basically taking what the defense gives him. 
But when he does find a seam, or what, and I, th- I think he felt the Clippers were a little bit slower, right? They started to lose their energy for whatever reason, and he took a, you know, he took advantage of it. And he looked like the most energetic guy closing out that third quarter, going into the fourth. So, as long as he picks his moments and he can score efficiently, efficiently, because that's basically that's that's his theme, right? Getting to the rim. If he can't get the rim, well, he's not going to really try and look to score. So I, I like the game plan, and you're right. A little bit more aggression maybe would be nicer, I think, because when you're going to face these great teams, what if CJ or B.I. don't have it going from the outside? That's when I think you want to see Z maybe just look to do it a little bit more. But, again, last night was fine, no issues. Now, uh, Ali, uh, before uh, Charlie chimes in again, I don't know. Uh, to me, I tend, I'm a fan. I tend to put the cart before the horse. Uh, and I started thinking, I kind of like the Crescent City connection or Chris Paul days and all. Uh, this is even like pre-Pels or Hornets. But I'm looking mm-hmm. at the Pelicans right now at 13-21. This is really at, at the, before they beat the Clippers. The 50-game mark at 29-21. and uh, Now they're 13-21. Their best record through 50 games in 13 years. Hell yeah. I am so optimistic right now where the teams are. I don't want to count my chickens before the hatch. I guess I am. Uh, but uh, listen, I am so encouraged because anything I look at like a decade, a dozen years, uh, when, when I when I was looking at that, uh, the best record through 50 games in 13 years, I'm highly encouraged right now. Yeah, you should be. I mean, look, this is their 22nd season, right, since arriving in New Orleans. Only one time have they exceeded 50 wins in the regular season, right? No other time. They've come close, had 49, 48, right. 47. But you feel like this squad's got a chance to get there. At first, start of year, you weren't sure. And then uh, they, they suffered some, you know, just couldn't beat the good teams there for a stretch. But now you feel like maybe all engines are firing. There's an easy schedule. It's still one of the easiest, one of the top ten easiest remaining. And when you combine all that, if they can just stay healthy, I really think this is going to be a special season, right? So that to me means finishing the top six. Please avoid the plan at all costs. And right now, they're shaping up, I think, to do that. And therefore, putting themselves in position, hey, outside chance of even hosting a play or a playoff series if right, some teams above them start falling back to the pack, whether injuries or just bad performance. Because I don't think Minnesota, OKC, Denver, Clippers, they're all going to be up there together, right? I know the Suns are surging, but either way, Pelicans, you're right, Bobby. Top six finish. We we rarely ever talk about that even being realistic, right. but it is now. Ali, kind of looking at you were talking about the soft schedule, and I want to get your thoughts on it. First and foremost, before I get into the rest of the February schedule, because I was looking at this and my eyes just became dinner plates as I was going team by team, and I was seeing, okay, the Pelicans can win this game, they can win this game, they can win this game, and I don't want to get ahead of myself necessarily, but looking starting with an upcoming matchup, on Friday night, tomorrow night, the Lakers have a back-to-back because they're playing the Nuggets this evening. Uh, so you, you get a team that's on short rest. Uh, that matchup in L.A. against the Lakers, I want to get your thoughts on that before we look at the rest of the February schedule. Yeah, so you like it for one reason, because of what you just mentioned. Lakers will be on a back-to-back. And, you know, LeBron's 39. And in the past, last couple of years, he hasn't played in all the back-to-backs, right? He's rested a lot. So I'm sure he'll be questionable. He'll probably play unless, of course, something strange happens tonight and say he plays 40-odd minutes just to see if the Lakers can win. But either way, AD's kind of coming back to earth, too. Had a great start, and I know there's still been great glimpses, but he's not playing at an MVP level. And so the Lakers didn't make any trades. So you're curious how that's going to affect their locker room when you know LeBron was pushing for 
uh, Rob Polinka to do something. Then the other thing you got to remember is it's it's even a bigger energy drain on them today. Not just the Nuggets matchup, the Kobe Bryant statue got unveiled today. So there's a lot of emotions probably running high from that and such. So yeah, Pelicans are going to catch them at a good time. Plus they've been in LA, right? The Pelicans didn't have to fly. So they've had the day of rest without travel. Yeah, I like the way it's shaping up. Ali, you're on a three-game winning streak right now, a four-game winning streak, 3-0 and in February is what I meant. And you're looking mm-hmm. ahead to this upcoming February slate. As I mentioned, after the Lakers, you got the Trailblazers, who have 15 wins. You have the Grizzlies, who are at 18 wins. The Wizards, who are at 9. Then the Rockets, who you just beat. The Heat. I mean, the Bulls. I'm seeing all these winnable games. Is it... Out of the question for this team, I mean, you were mentioning earlier to kind of make a push for that top four seed in the West. Is it, I mean, this is the time to do it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Look, you've got four more games before the All-Star break. And since that three-game losing streak, as you just mentioned, you've won four, where you felt like you could get three of them. Well, they just got the hardest one out of those eight, out of the way, with that win over the Clippers. So if you can get the Lakers, then yeah. I mean, Portland can play scrappy. And for the Pelicans, it'll be a back-to-back, but... Yeah, when you just look at the talent on the paper, and it start, this is the second half of the season, so bad teams, they start looking ahead to the summer. So don't be surprised if some of them just really fall over. And then when you look at the rest of the month, right, I mean, I know there's a matchup against the Knicks, but they're banged up. I'm not sure if Randall or an Ananobi will be there for that game towards the end of February. Miami's been up and down, right? Houston's not as good as they were to start the year. So, yeah, I love the rest of this February schedule, guys. Pelicans could really put themselves in great position. Now, uh, Ali, you know, some fans, uh, they'll come, oh, you know, well, we can't stay put uh, if we truly go win a championship. I don't know. Uh, you know, the trade deadline, everyone has, we all speculate, uh, in your wheel and deal, whether it's Valanchunas, when to go in a different direction, but he's a walking double-double. Uh, but my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, and I want you to comment on this, uh, that, uh, okay, who's part of potential trade deals and like Herb and all that, I mean, I mean that wasn't going to happen. That wasn't going to happen. I mean, I think it depends. Uh, we're not letting him go. And uh, I want you to elaborate more on that. And, and my, my thinking, just from being a novice uh, fan, uh, I'm looking at Herb and, I mean, how he's not a malcontent. I mean, I think he's a great player here in New Orleans. And, and uh, I want to say, uh, Charlie, I think, was telling me this. He's shooting 50% uh, what in that corner from the three-point line. So why in the hell are we going to get rid of him if he's the top defensive player? So uh, elaborating on all that trade prospects and who's involved and to kind of ease the fans and tell them how you, how you, how you break all that down. Yeah, so everybody was on uproar over the last 24, 48 hours because DeJounte Murray, who was the biggest remaining name, right, after we saw Pascal Siakam and Anubi get traded earlier, Murray was the last one left on the board, and Pelicans were linked to him. But here's the thing. They were more interested in getting a center, right? Because JV, last year of his deal, right. and they've been looking for a center for the last year and a half. So Jared Allen played out of his mind in Cleveland, and the Cavaliers have been great. So he's not on the move. That was their number one choice off the board. I think number two might have been Onyeko Kongwu, right? He's a, he's a backup center behind Capella for the Hawks. But this guy, I think, could be a really decent to good starter, and he's on a good contract. So they had interest in him. But I feel like the Hawks, because they want to move on from that Murray, Trey Young experiment, just not working out, two small guards, that they want to link Murray to anybody. And, yeah, the Pelicans probably had a little bit of interest, right? Because, let's face it, before last night's win, they were losing to good lead teams. So right. If you're the Pelicans, Brass, you're thinking, hey, we maybe need to make a move, right? Because we can't beat the good teams. 
But fortunately, they beat the Clippers, and especially when the Hawks said, we want Herb, I know that there's no way they're going to move him. I feel like the Pelicans have three untouchables, according to the front office. Herb is one of them. On a great contract, he's a trendsetter. He's a foundational piece. He's shooting about 40% overall from three, not just the corner. He's doing well overall. And then besides Herb, you've got Trey Murphy and Jordan Hawkins, I think, are untouchable. So all these enviable players that the rest of the league wants on their teams, Pelicans won't part with them smartly. They were going to get maybe Okongwu if it could have been a cheaper price and maybe would have tested the Warriors on uh, Murray as well, as long as they didn't want Herb. Because I hear they were also interested in Dyson Daniels. And after you saw what Dyson did last night, I'm glad they didn't move for Murray. He's just going to price them out. If you were to bring him on, he's keeping B.I., C.J., and Zion, who are making over $90 million together, Pelicans would have to become a tax team, something they've never done. So, like I said, yeah. I never believed the Murray rumors too much. And, and to your point, Bobby, they're not going to move off of these young guys. They haven't yet. They've explored a bunch of trades. They haven't made any moves because they want to hang out with their young group. Now, uh, you know, uh, Ali, you mentioned, uh, you know, Cleveland with Allen and then uh, with the Hawks uh, and their, their backup center. Uh, so what about when you're looking at, uh, you know, uh, Valanchunas uh, with the Magic Center, Wendell Carter Jr.? You know, we talk about style defender, uh, you know, passer, can hit occasional three, but he was, what, old? I want to say $12 million next season, uh, right under $11 million the season after that. Did he even come into play, uh, that being Wendell Carter Jr.? I think their best bet, honestly, is to re-sign JV. And they can still do it until the last uh, day of this season, right, which is the last day of June. So he can get an extension done before then. I bet you they're probably working on getting one done. The problem is coming up with the right money. Because you can always move him later. If you get your dream center out there, that becomes available. But JV, to me, is a better player than Wendell Carter. Okay. You know, Wendell Carter, yeah, he can maybe shoot a little bit more. He's a little bit quicker. He's nowhere near the rim protector. So Jonas, while he's, he's nothing spectacular, even above average, he's at least average. Wendell Carter's worse than that. So I don't okay. understand why you would go for Carter when the biggest thing you want, like I said, is rim protection. It doesn't make any sense to look there. Before I get into speculation here, Ali, because this was a question that we were debating with each other, I want to get your thoughts on the Memphis Grizzlies, the matchup that's going to be on Monday. Uh, looking back to what happened in December, in a week span, they lose two games by a combined three points. That was part of that statistic early on where you, you couldn't win a game by fewer than three points. They obviously reversed that recently, which was nice to see uh, in that game against the Spurs. But just an early kind of preview of that matchup and getting some revenge against the Grizzlies. Oh, yeah, the Grizzlies, I mean... I don't know if anybody's had worse injury luck this year, right? And the reason they beat the Pelicans, I feel like, at least in one of those games, because they got John Morant back. Right. So you knew the emotional lift would just permeate through that entire roster, and they played like it. right? I mean, John Morant's one of the best players, but now they've been without Desmond Bain. I mean, Marcus Smart's missing games. I, I, I feel like this team isn't going to be the same team, nowhere close to what the Pelicans see, right? They might have some effort. Taylor Jenkins is a good head coach can maximize, right, get the guys excited, comes up with good game plans, but they just don't have the talent to compete with the Pelicans. So I'm not foreseeing this should be anything difficult. Unless, of course, the Pelicans make it difficult, right, decide to come in, not not execute, not be 100% focused. But I don't expect that either. Now, uh, Ali, I'm going to read this text to you, and, and obviously, uh, you know, the fan base, because you look at the whole team atmosphere and where we're at. Uh, I'm going to read this, and I want your opinion on this. Uh, I think I might know where you're going, but I don't know, 74, 59. Got to give the coaching staff a ton of credit uh, for the Pelican success. 
I would go with uh, Willie Green and David Griffin. You know, how, how do you weather the storm? And it always whatever you've done for me lately, I say that no matter what the sport. I mean, you know, people got a short memory, uh, you know, like Instagram. I mean, the reason why it's instant. I mean, as people sort of like, what's the, what, today, what are you doing tomorrow, uh, 48 hours later? But uh, we got to give, uh, well, what do you think, like, uh, where we at right now with Willie Green and, and David Griffin um, as far as with the Pels and the team? I love that they've been now on the same page for the last few years, right? And you see, first of all, front office has done a great job of bringing in the talent, right? I mean, they've hit home runs over the last few drafts. It was bumpy at first, right? Condition of Zion, Jackson Hayes didn't work out, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. If anybody remembers, Didi Lozada, right? Then the next year, Tyra Lewis didn't work out either. But since then, it's been stellar. So the talent, no problem. Next thing is you want them to work in conjunction, right? And I felt like the relationships could have been better between Griffin and Stan Van Gundy and Alvin Gentry, right? But – that's besides the point. The fact of the matter is that with Willie Green, I see these guys talking every day, so they know what they're trying to get and achieve every single day. For instance, the Pelicans wanting to shoot 43s uh, a game as being a goal, that's both the coaching staff and the front office. Right. So they understand, right, to get the best out of this team in this modern NBA, they've got to do it. Stuff like that didn't happen in the past. And, of course, with Willie Green, I think specifically he's just made inroads in terms of rotations, of awareness, of pushing the right buttons more often. And a lot to do that with that is the fact that he's gotten better help around him. James Borrego was brought in by Griffin because they saw, right, Pelkins' offense last year, even though they were missing key guys, could have been operating better. JV, right, Jonas wasn't being utilized as much. They definitely weren't looking for the threes as much. But that's changed this year, and JV, James Borrego, had a big part of that. So with Willie Green growing, getting better, right, guys, having the talent, bringing in the good talent. Yeah, everything's pointing up. So Griffin and Willie Green definitely deserve, right, accolade. Because it's funny how fans want to attack. Right, right. right. And coaches for when they play back. But you're right. How about applauding them for when things are going well? Because they're at the heart of it. Ali, I think I saw a stat the other day that said that it hasn't ever been this late in the season where you had four teams tied atop a conference when you looked at the Clippers, the Nuggets, the Timberwolves, and the Thunder. With the Pelicans beating the Clippers, they've fallen a little bit back. They're only a half game back of those other three teams that I mentioned. But unless the Pelicans really do go on this kind of surge in February, which they very well might, I think we're looking at this team has positioned themselves well to be a five or a six seed, so they miss the play-in tournament, and they still make the playoffs, but they may not be hosting a playoff matchup. And you're looking at those top four seeds, I mean – in order, like this is something that we were debating earlier, which of those teams would you like to see in a potential playoff matchup for the Pels? Number one's got to be Minnesota. I mean, the, the Pelicans. So, so why is that, Ali? Uh, they match up well. They match, the, the Pelicans match up. When Zion Williamson has played, the Pelicans yeah. have taken down the, the Timberwolves. Well, well, and for whatever reason, he loves playing and, against Rudy Gobert. And, and, you know, exactly. It's like I'm actually Charlie. I'm like, all of a sudden, you look at the T Wolves versus other teams, and you look at OKC. So, Ollie and Charlie, I, I want you to enlighten me because I'm like a sponge. I'm like, okay, why all of a sudden you look where the T-Wolves are at and then OKC is like, oh, we, we, maybe we don't want to play them, but we can handle the T-Wolves. Explain that to me, Ollie, like, like Charlie was mentioning. Yeah, so the T-Wolves have the worst offense really by far of anybody in the top six. They really heavily rely on their defense which, again, it can be suspect at times when you play against, like, say, a Zion surrounded by shooters, right? Because they have, or excuse me, yeah, Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns. 
And one of those guys, of course, is going to be stuck on Valanciunas or whoever your center is. But the other guy's got to go chasing around Zion or one of the shooters. So I think the Pelicans are just a natural good matchup against that. Um, as for OKC, I still kind of like the Pels better than anyways facing Denver or the Clippers. I know what they did to the Pels last time. But look, in the past, we've seen Shea, who played, has played at an MVP level to me for the last year and a half, to where he's been locked up by Herb and Dyson combination. And really, OKC, yeah, they've got Shet, and, and he's grown in something, but he's inexperienced. Same thing with really Jalen Williams. So while they're good, I wonder how they're going to react to pressure, right, especially playoff basketball. Because the Pelicans play the exact same style as them, but they're a much better rebounding team. So that Hell yeah, go Pels! Oh, I like that, Ollie. I'm, I'm, you're making me optimistic now. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Let's just avoid Denver, and I'm telling you the Clippers, because all that experience, plus you've got Ty Luke, that, that would be tough to beat. Well, speaking of those, uh, the Denver Nuggets, at least, let's hope they take the Lakers to double overtime tonight. Woo-hoo. <laughs> I'm with you. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Get them all tired. Always appreciate the time, Ollie. You can check out his work at thebirdrights.com. Talk to you soon, my man. All right, Ollie. All right, guys. Everybody have a good evening. Be back right after this break here on WWL. Hey, folks, WWL is your home for LSU basketball Saturday. I'll catch another SEC battle against the Alabama Crimson Tide. Pre-game will be 10.30, tip-off 11 a.m. right here on WWL and on the free Odyssey app. Be back with more sports talk, closing things out right after the break on WWL. Cajun Cannon closing out sports talk here. Big news, though, on the breaking news front for NFL. Cowboys expected to hire... Mike Zimmer as their next defensive well, coordinator. I think Coach Zimmer is the same thing like Dan Quinn. Uh, they know what the hell they're doing. Uh, it's that network. I, I, I'm telling you. Right. You were just talking uh, about I, it before. I, I, I'll tell you. Uh, they're very similar to Dennis Allen. Now, whatever you've done for me lately, you got to win. But Dan Quinn and Mike Zimmer uh, are a lot like Dennis Allen. I know they know defense. They know defense at the highest level. So, I'm telling you um, – now, uh, Dan Quinn necessarily in the playoffs didn't work out, but I think Mike Zimmer would be like uh, Dan Quinn 2.0 with the Dallas defense. Cajun Cannon, enjoy the Super Bowl. Talk to you Monday for second guess. Say goodnight to everyone. All right. Bon nuit, les gens. Good night, people. Who that? Go Saints.